It didn't take much more than a bottle and two chairs to make a speakeasy. This is what Daniel Okrent said in his book, Last Call, The Rise and Fall of Prohibition. Today, join us for some stories. Get your own bottle, glass, mug, and relax. This is Speak Easily, and I'm your host, Krista Stoffer. Hello. Can we turn him up? Is that possible? Yeah, I can turn him up. Hi, how are you? Good. I'm uh, uh, on my iPhone because I was on my laptop, and then my laptop suddenly... Uh, decided not to work on the internet anymore. It just stopped uh, connecting randomly. That was, was nice of it. Good timing. I know. Bad laptop. Bad, bad. <laughs> <laughs> they work better if you chastise them, too. Yeah, so, they, you know. That's what I found when I yell at it. <laughs> listen, eventually. Maybe you need, like, the, the Ghostbusters. Was it Ghostbusters 2 where they had the pink slime yep. that was affected by either music, yeah. music or talking to it meme? Yeah. You know? Mood. Yeah. yeah. Maybe you need to play That's some. That's a good music. idea. Yeah. Just... I will uh, try that later tonight and let you know how it goes. There's not many things though Jackie Wilson won't fix, in my opinion. So. That's <laughs> true. Yeah. It will and, <laughs> and we started remote learning today. Yay! Yay! How's that going? Uh, uh, I mean, yeah. so far it's remote learning, I uh-huh. guess. So you know. Yeah. Did Olivia start? No, they got pushed back to September. Okay. So wow. Yeah. Wow. So she has like another uh, week and a half. Tell her to enjoy it and live it up. Well, she uh, got braces Tuesday this week. Oh. So uh, she said, well, my friends won't make fun of me for my braces. And I said, you're fine. I was going to make fun of you. Like, you don't have to worry about that. It's like, braces are so much more prominent, though, now than when we were kids. Yeah, I never had braces, so it's this is, like, new for me. I don't, this is all new. But she's she's doing fine. She's doing good. I had to get them on in fourth grade, and I was one of the very few kids that did. Mm. But, oh, you, you wouldn't look at me if I didn't have <laughs> braces. Like... Huge gap, huge overbite. This tooth is completely sideways. Because I used to, when I was a kid, I would suck these two fingers. Ah. So I knock everything in front way off. Like wow. wow, it was real bad. Well, you know, I uh, I was kind of a freak because I had extra teeth growing up. Oh. So, yes. So when I had my uh, wisdom teeth taken out, I had like three extra teeth uh, also extracted. Wow. Um, well, and, uh, yeah, I was. Like, like I, I was like a shark, I guess. <laughs> you, so wait, they were extra, not just like wisdom teeth, but you had extra on top. Yeah, I also had extra teeth growing in. I think that means I make people know that, but they know it now, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> now, yes, now it's the world has just found out. I, my wisdom teeth never grew in, so what does that say about me? <laughs> you didn't need them. You're fine just the way you were, right? Yeah, that's very kind. <laughs> I don't think that's it, but uh, yeah. yeah but that's, that's, I disagree with you. <laughs> Respectfully, so. Look, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to give some positive affirmation. Thank and, you. you know. Thank you. Yeah. No, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I have one job on this show. I'm going to do it. <laughs> it is Ben's responsibility to make fun of me and keep me in my place as much as possible, so. I do my best. Yeah. Right on. How are you? 
I was going to say, speaking of positive affirmations, you, I guess you can't really see it here, but I'm noticing a lot more gray. Oh. Here. Yeah, so, I don't see it at all. You look very youthful. So. Well, well thank you, sir. Um, <laughs> but, uh, right? So, yeah. <laughs> I noticed it today, and I was like, oh, man, like, how do I feel about this? How do I feel about seeing more and more we're, uh, we're lucky it looks good on us. It, so you get the salt and pepper, you look wise and, and like a sea captain or something, you know? Especially that's what the, I was telling myself is like, maybe I'll like appear more wise than I am. Yeah. Look at that gray and say, that man has a gray in his beard. He knows yeah. something. Yeah. It's like the extra teeth. You know? Yeah. <laughs> in what way? <laughs> gray in his beard. I bet that guy had some extra teeth. Too, so, just yeah. look at that guy. I bet he's got extra teeth. That guy has, he knows how to chomp. He can get to the top Give that man a steak. <laughs> that man, two steaks, A1. I, no, I think, I do actually. I think the gray in the beard is distinguished. I think it's, yeah, it's not unattractive. Yeah. I think it's lovely on men. When you see a little gray in there, like, yeah. I'm feeling comfortable enough with not, like, earlier in the summer, I was, like, plucking them when I saw them. Now I'm, I'm like, I'm okay. I'm okay with it. 2020's done that to people, I yeah. think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I've been through what's a couple of days. I don't care now. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I don't care. I've earned it. <laughs> but you're you're what thirty five? Um, I'm going to be thirty seven in a couple months. Okay. You're still young. But uh, I'll take thirty five. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> I've been doing that. I've been trying to see how low I can get away with age wise. Uh, I think a lot of people probably do that. Yeah. yeah. It works out. It does. Yeah. Well, it's you know I mean and I think that that men are luckier than women and that, you know, you get gray here first, right? Most guys go in the beard first. Here, temples a little temples bit, a little yeah. Bit. Yeah, ours yeah. is like straight in the, in in the, the, in the roots. The show yeah. region. <laughs> yeah. So. yeah. I, I, I was thinking like, I don't know, I think I noticed one up here, but my dog's hair is white, so I thought maybe it was one of those. <laughs> yeah. But maybe that's, that's my denial. It's, it's just my dog's fur just kind of got up there. Yeah upset about the beard they just be like oh i was nuzzling the dog oh. <laughs> but my dogs with my chin it's, oh, it's, it's a weird thing that i do <laughs> oh my that's goodness uh, what kind of dog it's a papillon would you like to see him he's laying right next to me yeah. a little flip -flip. Do you want to see the answer is kind of, yes so yeah it's like it's like a hi boobies hi <laughs> He's Doug's like, like I'm unimpressed. Know. Yes. Don't care. <laughs> Don't care at all. That is great. Say that again. His name is Alexander the Great. Aww. I love it. That's good. That's good. What is a what is a papillon? Like is that a is that its own breed? I don't know that breed. It is. It's okay. similar when I try to describe it I, I I describe it as kind of similar to a Pomeranian. Mm -hmm. But a, but bigger, but larger. Okay. Yeah. They uh, if you don't uh, get them groomed, their ears will grow really long and 
they are reminiscent of butterflies, hence the French word papillon. Uh, uh, you know what? That's I heard papillon. I was like, I thought that was French. It is butterfly, isn't it? For, yeah. yeah so, is French for butterfly. Yeah, that's where it comes from. I, I only speak German. I, it's not as pretty. Yeah, <laughs> Schmetterling is, 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 is what it is. Who does he get? <laughs> Speaking of Germany, my, um, my, my mom and some aunts uh, lived in uh, Germany when they were kids because my grandfather was in the Air Force. So uh, many of them lived there, learned some German. None of them can remember much of it now, but uh, that's one place I always uh, wanted to go and would like when, you know, when COVID is over and all that. Yeah. And evidently, I'm like telling all the family secrets today. <laughs> evidently, there's a long lost uh, aunt of mine in Germany. Huh. Uh, well, wow. You get my drift. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you should. When I get there. Yeah. Would you know how to find her? Is this like a? Mystery? I would have. I would have no idea. Honestly, I, I would have no idea. But there's some family members somewhere in Germany. I'd love to connect with at some point. That would be, cool. be so much fun. That'd be really. Cool. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It would be. Is that like one of your bucket list travel places? Um. It is also. Um. There's a lot of, I want to go back to France. I spent a couple of weeks there when I was in uh, high school as a student exchange uh, trip. Um, Ireland, so a lot of Irish in, in, in England, a lot of family members from Ireland, England, Wales. Mm. Uh, I want to go to uh, the west of Africa, Sierra Leone, Ghana, um, Nigeria, because that's where a lot of family members come from as well. So, oh, and Japan. I, I got to get to Japan. As you can see, I have a very extensive travel bucket list. You get that list. I just want to go everywhere. Yeah. I feel like right now everybody's just like, I will travel uh -huh. literally anywhere. Right. <laughs> at some point. I just want to go somewhere. Yeah. Oh no, yeah. I'm right there with you. Like, yeah. I don't care where I, I mean, if it's like Michigan at this point, that's fine. <laughs> that's fine. Yeah, somewhere. Somewhere. <laughs> other than here. Yeah. Other than here. I want to go to, my bucket list is Australia, New Zealand. I don't know why, but that's yeah. I went down to Australia a couple of years ago, and I mean, it's an incredible experience. Yeah. But it's a long flight. I don't know that I'd be able to do the flight. So that is long. I've I've included. So how long? I think it's like an eighteen-hour flight or something like that. Japan would be a long one too. Japan's though. a long one too, but yeah. It's and largely uneventful too, because you're over the ocean the entire time. So no. Yeah. Are you? Do you typically travel a lot? I mean, would there be no coronavirus right now? Would you be traveling? Um, ideally, yeah. Even if if it wasn't out of state, it would be some somewhere in Ohio. You know, some some place. Um, I've been actually wanting to go to. Um, we had plans this year to go to Colonial uh, Williamsburg in Virginia. And I went there as a teenager and I loved uh, everybody dressed up in revolutionary times. And, That's cool. Yeah, okay. All <laughs> <laughs> oh, that fun stuff. As an actor, I'm like, oh, I love it. So that, that was actually the plans this year, but uh, we didn't get to go. So maybe, uh, maybe next year. Yeah. 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 
Chris, you are from Columbus. Aren't you grew up here? Yeah, I was uh, born at Ohio State University. And uh, a lot of every time I've been on OSU campus, I usually get a whoa, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, you were born like on campus or in a hospital? At the, uh, at the OSU uh, main uh, hospital. So, okay, so not at like the WEX outside the doors or something? <laughs> not outside the doors, no, it was in the hospital. <laughs> Actually, the last time I went there, uh, before I had like a, a new uh, a new dentist, the, the people were so surprised because my medical ID number was so short because I had been there since I was like a toddler. Hmm. So that was back, it only had like three or four digits or something like that. Oh, wow. And it's still on a paper file. Wow. And so they were like, Oh, what is this? I've, I've never seen. Oh my God! How old are you? <laughs> I'm like some sort of relic from a bygone age. Relic from the past. <laughs> what? Where did you go to school? Like to high school? I went to Northland High School. Okay. Uh, my mom taught English there. Um, really? She taught uh, juniors and seniors, uh, uh, like AP English, Challenge English. So my uh, close, uh, what my assigned school was supposed to be Walnut Ridge because I grew up on the east side. Yeah. Uh, but my mom wanted to have the experience of having me at school with her. So I was one of like five or six teachers' kids at Northland yeah. who uh, had that experience. It was nice. Did you like being there with your mom? I did. I you did. Okay. It wasn't. It wasn't weird. Like I said, there were a bunch. Of, there were a couple of us teachers' kids. So, like, we all got it. We all hung out. We all knew that people were going to ask us for test questions and answers and try to bribe us. And <laughs> I didn't get in any trouble anyway, but if I was someone that would get in trouble, having my mom there would probably be a good incentive to not get in trouble. Yeah. But it also helped because I already knew a bunch of the teachers before I got there because of her. So that kind of helped me uh, adjust. I had to ask because my dad taught in Dublin and he was adamant that we did not go to school with him. He did not want us to be, he's a music teacher and he's obnoxious like I am. So maybe that was part of it, but <laughs> he, he wanted to be away. He's like, I want to go to the grocery store and not see my students to keep it separate. Like, so we grew up in Gahanna while he taught Dublin. Um, I can relate to your dad in the sense that um, working with a lot of people in the community, I definitely understand uh, wanting to keep something separate. So yeah. I'm totally relate to that. Yeah. I also went, speaking of Gahanna, I went to uh, St. Matthew's for a couple of years. Oh, really? okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Now, so, we're older than yeah. you, Christopher. So, want to put that little, up? A little bit. Kristen just had a birthday, so a birthday. she keeps throwing this around. Like, hey, it's not a big deal to me, but. <laughs> <laughs> it also doesn't help that we just did remote learning this morning. So if you can see the bags under the eyes, it was like the stress of March came back instantaneously. This it's morning. all back. You're reliving it. Yeah. I hope you have to talk to you about all this. That's why you're here. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> 
You didn't realize this was an online counseling this, session. This, you guys are therapy buddies now. So. <laughs> no, it's it, honestly, I think it's just the idea of that sensation came back of the, the overwhelming, like, and I know it's not going to be that way because it didn't end up that way, but the, it was just the initial, like, the drop of having to do everything again. Yeah. So also I didn't sleep. (laughs) It's a lot all at once. It really is. But I mean, what are you going to do? You know, how did your daughter do with all of it? She, um, you know, I got to hand it to her. She is, uh, very like, she she has a a very good sense of adaptability and she's able to like reason and understand um, things, so you know that's uh, that was that's been really helpful. I mean, honestly, the conversations we've had, yeah, we've had to have some reassuring conversations along the way. But honestly, I'm so impressed with someone that turned ten in June, and school was already out. By the you know, she didn't get to see her friends again. Um, the way that she's been able to manage all of this change is uh really incredible so i'm i'm very much so proud of her yeah he like i said we've had to have conversations about reassurance and are things ever going to be the same again are we ever going to go back and you know yeah it, it will be but um at the same time um let's remember what we have to be grateful for uh, what we have to be thankful for um, that gratitude is really going a long way, uh, I think, for her and, and for myself. Um, practicing gratitude uh, daily helps me remember perspective. And, and her it'd be well. interesting to see how kids handle this as they get older, too. Like, you know, what's it going to look like in 10 years when, like, they can all remember what life was like because they went through it at that time. And, like, you know, I mean, this is, it's, I mean, it's going to be a completely different world for them. Yeah. Forward, you know? Uh, it's, but just like you said, that they adapt, and I think because they don't, they don't have enough of the worldly know-how to think right. this isn't the way the world is. They right. they only know this portion. Like, well, yeah. okay, I guess this is what the world looks like now. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. It's weird. Yeah, I I am curious as well how this will affect a lot of uh, a lot of people as they grow older. I, you know, with any generation that goes through something difficult you run the risk of having a lot of uh, catastrophizing, I think, expecting the worst, thinking the worst, getting the worst, you know, I think maybe some people will definitely be higher risk for that. Um, um, Cynicism may be there, but I also hope that there is a great sense of optimism in this generation as well of recognizing what it looks like when people actually come together in our working towards a common cause and thinking about each other's well-being and having a greater sense of community. And I think that would be the greatest outcome is this generation coming up, really having a strong sense of uh, togetherness and community and recognizing that obstacles can be overcome as long as we work together to make it happen. So that's what I'm really hoping to see. But time will tell. Yeah, Yeah. that's true. That's true. Now you are, you have one of the most interesting backdrops and i was even thinking about it today i have no idea when you and i met i have zero clue i just feel like i've known you for basically forever um 
She uh, went to Otterbein, but we were <laughs> several years apart. When, uh, whoa. That's a, yeah, I don't, uh, I don't I, remember. I think we just, we were meant to just know each other, and therefore we just did. That's the only sense I can make of it. Because you graduated Otterbein in what, 2000? It was 06. 06. And I was gone before then, so I wouldn't have known you in school. I don't think. I don't. I don't, I have no, I, I'm like really trying to go through the memory index, the Rolodex up here and, and uh, nothing. You just, we just know. Kind of appeared. <laughs> <It was there>. <laughs> <laughs> we just always know. <laughs> <found it. laughs> but you studied, did you do BFA acting at Otterbein? I did. Well, that's how I started. I started out as BFA acting and okay. uh, I was really hard to get into and all that whole process. John Stefano was uh, the director at the time there, the yeah. chair of the department, and he was very instrumental in helping me get into the BFA program. And wow. uh, so I was, I was in the program, and while I was there, going through a lot of things, experiencing a lot of things, um, ultimately I realized that I had a lot of other interests, and this was the first time um, I had an opportunity to explore those interests. And I realized that as much as uh, I appreciated and loved acting, I also needed to give myself a chance to be exposed to the other things that I wanted to learn about. So I got into communications and television performance and broadcast and radio, and I did the DJ thing there, and it was so cool. That's where I met uh, John Buckles. He was uh, my uh, performance, uh, radio performance television uh, professor there before he uh, left for his calling. And uh, uh, which I still stay in touch with him. But uh, yeah, it was it was a great experience to not only then be able to follow up with the radio and TV stuff and learn all of that, but also still be able to perform and do shows. And you know, I'm I'm happy with the experience I had. Yeah, uh, I think I'm also kind of oppositional defiant because I don't like anybody telling me I can only do one thing. So I'm like, okay, well, fine. I'm going to do what I want. That's just, that's just, just fine. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> just Try being me. a little child inside. No, I get that, though. Did you end up with a BFA or a BA? I got a BA. Okay. Okay. Same. <laughs> when, did, I, when did you start? Um, I was 98 to 02. 98 to 02. And I graduated early because I had the BA and I didn't have to finish out full four. And then I moved to Kentucky and worked with the Appalachian Service Project building houses because that's the natural next step to a theater degree. Of course. Right? Yeah, that's part oh. of the section. Uh, uh, yeah, right. I think like you though, it was the BA was more beneficial in that you could explore other options. And there were other classes you could take. There were other you know, I, I got to do stage makeup for an independent study, and I got to do Shakespearean um, Shakespearean monologues on my own independent study. Yeah. So, yeah. You can kind of pick and choose a little bit more. I think that was for, I, I think you and I are similar in that I don't want to be told I can't try more things <laughs> do more things. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think if you have the opportunity, you got to be true to yourself. You know, so you, you have to, you have to take the opportunities when they're there because you don't know when you're going to get them again. So, I mean, go for it. Well, 
well, and you've done a bunch of different stuff even, because you went and got your theological degree too, didn't you? I did. Um, I started Methodist Theological School in Delaware, Ohio. Oh, man, that was like a 40-minute drive to go to class uh, every time. So, you know, we're talking about an, an hour and 20 minutes back and forth, you know, commuting. But um, I, I started school there and got my master's in pastoral and professional counseling. Huh. So, um, that's I, I went back because... Uh, I ended up in like this cycle of just kind of working in labor jobs, working in warehouses and stacking boxes and loading trucks. And I was like, man, like this isn't what I want for my life. <laughs> I can do a little bit more here. Yeah. And, uh, my daughter was just born and I was like, I definitely uh, need to do something more for her. So I'm going to, I always had an interest in people and working with people. So, uh, that's what I did and went to school for it. And it helped me grow so much as a person. So, I mean, I loved it. I loved every moment of it, except there are times when the money was so tight, I couldn't drive to class 40 minutes. <laughs> like, I don't have the gas money. I can't do it. <laughs> Is that <laughs> a, right today. <laughs> that's the one just up 23, isn't it? Yeah, you go straight up. Way up. Okay. It's, it's near downtown. When you go downtown Delaware, it's close, closer that way. So it was a wonderful experience. I've gone back there and have been a guest speaker there for their graduating class before. They did a interview with me uh, a couple months ago when I was uh, going through the whole uh, petition to uh, remove uh, the Christopher Columbus statue in front of City Hall. So um, they've been they've been super supportive of me. Yeah, it was a wonderful place to call home for, for school for three years. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, I got to see you at the Westerville Black Lives Matter. That was, yeah. that was a beautiful experience. It was. And it, it was so nice to see uh, people coming out and we, you know, we talked about, you know, what, what is this pandemic going to do for this younger generation? And I think they're seeing so many things on so many fronts about what it means to come together yeah. and, and get through situations and, and promote change. So it was great for me to be able to see people of all ages be out there. And, and it was really awesome for my daughter to be there. And she's leading chants and holding up her sign. And she's really just going for gusto and passionate and powerful and then later I'm kind of processing it with her I'm like Olivia how did you you know what would would you come away with the protest what, what you know how, how do you feel about this she said I like protesting I like being rebel <laughs> <laughs> yes <laughs> yes <laughs> like well, okay yeah that's that's good, but let's let's keep it in the right avenue. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. We, it. it's it's interesting processing because you know my kiddo is or your kiddo is right in between where my kiddos are. You know, I'm kind of trying to see. My daughter's the emotional one, so at the protest, she was just. I mean, she was crying at different times and very strong and passionate and you wanted to talk about it and process it afterward. My son really just wanted to play in the fountain. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I remember 
thing that, that little water mishap or fountain mishap. Or... Yeah, yeah. I mean, granted, it was warm, and he took care of his needs. Um, but then he managed to fall off of a block. So that ended our time there because he cracked his head on the pavement. So again, uh, I mean, it makes sense for our, for our family. You know, it sort of covers all the bases there. But how is it, like... Do you feel that things have changed or grown or, you know, with the younger generation and the summer and the pandemic and uh, like, where, where do you think people's heads are at this point? Uh, that's a really good question. Um, a lot of people are um, settled in for the long haul. Okay. I, I think a lot of people are, they're getting more settled into a different rhythm, a new rhythm. It doesn't mean that they like it. It doesn't mean they approve of it. It doesn't mean that it's okay. But um, so as far as social changes, as far as, as it relates to this pandemic, I think, with social distancing and masks and all that, a lot of people have come to a place of radical acceptance, I think, which is I just see reality for what reality is. And I, I, that's all it is. You can't change it. There the things that I can change, I'm focusing on. That's what I'm putting my energy into. The things that I can't change are beyond me. I accept that, and I, I release it. That's my release. So I think there are many people that are doing that, but there are also many people that are the opposite of that, and they are very angry, and they're very upset, and they are wanting to control things that they are, that they are not able to control. And that's where you find a lot of frustration with, with a lot of people. And that's where you find, um, you know, your conspiracy theorists and, uh, <laughs> and people promoting all kinds of misinformation because they are trying to manipulate and finagle and put out misinformation to force things to be a way that they're not going to be right now. Right. And uh, the, to therapize it even more. Uh, often we as individuals find ourselves trying to force situations that are beyond our control and then we end up be throwing little mini tantrums in, in our own lives about certain things. So, you know, and then when you talk about social change as far as, you know, equality and justice, I think it's literally the same mindset. There are people that are tired of it and they want things to go back to the status quo and the way things were and let's go back to the good old days where people knew their place. Mm -hmm. And this younger generation knows what that means when you talk about people knowing their place and they're not having it. They're tired mm -hmm. of it and they're not willing to go backwards. They are all about momentum and moving forward. And the older generation needs to also stop uh, absolving themselves from responsibility because they're still in the game. Mm -hmm. And it's like this, this, People in this society, uh, it's like many, not all of them, but many older people kind of seem to think that their lives are done and they've done their time and, you know, it's up to you guys now. It's up to you, you, you ladies and young men, and it's your world now. No, you're, you're talking like that. You're only 60 years old. What are you talking about? You're not like dead you're yet. <laughs> yeah, you're not dead yet. You still, have a <laughs> you still have dreams and aspirations and goals, like, this is what I'm, I'm, and I know keep coming back to this community thing, but I'm such a firm believer in, in people 
uh, not turning their backs on each other in times of need. And, and, and this is truly, absolutely what we need right now. I think everybody's head would be in a much better space if, if people start walking together instead, instead of walking away from each other. If, if we stop turning our backs on each other and, and come together. Uh, you know, that, that, that's so therapeutic in and of itself to know that somebody is listening to you and walking with you and working with you. That alone is such a huge release, e- emotionally so. Yeah. And, you know, how much more are we able to accomplish, you know, uh, pr- productivity-wise when, when we have that environment and energy? Yeah. Anyhow, that's my spiel you asked. <laughs> that's why you're here, babe. I don't know if you knew that, but that's why you're here. Do you think, like, do you think that there's something to be said about the protests and the awareness happening at the same time as a pandemic? Do you think that it's given an opportunity to allow or and or force people to wake up into certain realities? Yes. Now, wait a minute. You give me this wonderfully beautiful long answer. This is not a yes or no time, Chris. Look, there's all kinds of sparks and catalysts. And honestly, the people, the message that we're seeing today when it comes to equality is the same message that has been spoken for generations. Nothing has changed as far as the message goes. You know, it is literally the same message. And people are tired of being a parrot and repeating themselves, sounding like a broken record, equal pay for women, equal rights, uh, you know, uh, corrupt criminal system, corrupt legal system. And, and as a therapist, I've been in these courts and I've seen how kids get different sentencing for the same crime. And you wonder why, why is it that two people can walk in with the same crime and one of them gets immediately walked back to juvie and the other one just gets a smack on the wrist. And you know, it's, it's, it is messed up. It's not right. I've seen it with my own hand, with my own eyes. And, and uh, on a side note, that's something that I've really prided myself working with kids who have been in the legal system is uh, helping provide an avenue for them to receive mercy for them to change their lives. And that's something that, you know, in the midst of this pandemic and this, this protest and this, this fight for justice and equality, that word mercy is something that I'm looking for in the conversation because when people say I can't breathe, what they're saying is, where is the mercy? Where is the love? When people say, say their name, they're saying, where is the mercy? Where is the love? Where is the humanity? And so when you, when you have a, uh, a pressure cooker and you keep turning up the pressure and, and, and it, something's going to explode, Something is going to explode, and, and, and you see people that have lifetimes of experience, experiencing um, inequality and injustice, and you're not talking about what you're seeing is an example of people that have lived their lives feeling less than, being looked at as less than. That's what you're ultimately seeing, and all of us at some point know what it feels like to feel less than. And you have, you know, uh, a thousand people feeling less than and they witness somebody else being treated less than in front of their eyes. And then that person dies. Everybody knows the feeling, whether they're alive or 
they made it or they had similar experiences or know somebody that went through it. You know, yeah, it, it was, it, it, yeah, I think it all helped become catalysts and sparks for, for much needed change, not to mention the overarching environment of toxicity that has existed in our nation for several years. What you see in front of us today is perfectly, the, if you were to look at it in family dynamics, whenever you have a toxic person in a family, the whole family is unstable, there's enablers, there's scapegoats, there's people trying to make excuses for what the toxic person is doing, and you literally see this on a national scale because of who our current occupant in the White House is. It is classic toxicity uh, uh, infecting and permeating and penetrating every aspect of society. This is what toxic culture looks like when you have toxic people with leadership and, and, and in the home. This, this yeah. is what it looks like. And having grown up in unstable circumstances, I can tell you, this is, this is, this is what it's like. Yeah. You know, this, this is, this is what the, the, uh, the quote dysfunctional family, this is, this is a, what many people are living with all the time. Right. So like we get it, we know, we, we know it when we see it. Do you, do you get to work with mostly kids? Is that who you counsel mostly these days? Um, I worked with kids for many years, but uh, I'm mostly working with adults now. Okay. Adult uh, mental health and substance abuse disorder. Do you, did you have a preference? I don't want to say preference, but do you have a, a comfort level with kids versus adults or is it, does it matter? No, it doesn't really matter. What I like working, <laughs> this sounds really bad. <laughs> Sometimes the adults are at the teenager level, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. Because depending on what you grew up with and circumstances, you know, there's, you kind of stop growing. Mm -hmm. So sometimes it's, yeah, it goes with the, it goes with the territory. What I like working about with kids, it's been a while, it's been a couple years since that was my primary focus, but the idea of being able to help them avoid things, because when I work with the teens and then I work with the adults, I can look at the teens and tell them literally this in the next room over, you can avoid that. Mm -hmm. Literally, you know, 20, 10 feet away, let's make the changes now. Yeah. Let's, let's do it now because it can be avoided. And that's what I particularly like about working with kids and teens is helping them grow a sense of self-esteem and confidence and that their lives are not predestined. They don't have to be anyone else. They're not their dad, they're not their mom, they're not their grandparents, they, they are them. And that's the story that, whose voice matters, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. Well, just, just like you talked about with the mercy where you can kind of enable that before they are, are maybe unwilling to believe it as adults. Yeah, you know, the thing with, it's common in both for my, no matter what the age is, with 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 kids, you it's hard because they have a shorter lifespan. So if most of their lives have been something negative, they are absolutely right in saying, "Well, all my life has been this, this, and this." Yeah, your yeah. life has been that. Yeah. You have a short lifespan. Um, so creating and instilling hope um, is possible. It could be a bit harder with adults longer lifespan 
but more opportunities to be able to counter this whole, oh, it's only been bad. Yeah. Which is uh, something that once you work in, both of them come down to something called self-compassion and self-love and self-forgiveness. So that whole idea of giving mercy to yourself, you know, love yourself with a sense of self-compassion to know that, yeah, you made mistakes. So have I, so has everyone, but you're still worth it. You still have value. You still have, you know, you still have inherent value by virtue of being a human, uh, human being on this earth. Like you don't have to keep earning that over and over again. So that sense of mercy really is directed towards the self to change. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Is it hard to, and I'm sure you've seen and heard a lot. um, Is it hard to walk away at the end of the day? Like not mentally take your work home with you? Um, When I first started years ago, it was hard. Um, Now it's, it's not hard. (laughs) <laughs> because uh, <laughs> no, it's hard. it was I mean it really was when I first started because you know being empathetic and I and being an actor makes you really want to listen to people and inhabit their story and I think actors have kind of an ingrained sense of compassion and sensitivity for the most part and wanting to understand the story so um yeah, it was very hard to have those boundaries, but that's where it came down to. I had to learn how to um, put up better boundaries for myself. There are times, though, where somebody will say something in group and it hits me so hard. I'm like, Chris, don't cry. Don't cry. Don't cry. Uh-huh. Okay. Don't, don't. Okay. <laughs> Better go on break early, guys. <laughs> Better go on break early. <laughs> That's when you just, that's when you just claim diarrhea. That's what I learned over the years. Real quick, no. But yeah, some of the stories are so hard to hear and to see them, you know, in the aftermath of it. Yeah, it, but um, my thing is, while I'm there, you have everything of me that I'm able to give. But when I leave, I'm not taking it out the door with me because, yeah. you know, I have my own life. And, you know, cutting the grass and dinner and my family and my dog who's still here chilling. And, you know, there has to be a uh, there has to be a boundary. There has to be. Do you how does your acting background translate into what you do now? Because you talked a little bit about and I agree with you that we are we want to hear the story. We want to understand where's this person coming from and where they're sitting now, what's happened to get them into this place of life. But how do you feel that your training as an actor might have benefited you in what you do now? Um, I think one of the things that, I mean, I'm not somebody that uh, really is big on judging people anyhow, but having training as an actor, I think, helped reinforce that for me even more so because you can't really judge a character that you're playing. And, uh, I mean, they say that. You might be like, oh, I mean, I, that's what they say. I, I mean, I have thoughts on people that I played and be like, ah, what a, what a <laughs> jerk, you know. But I, I'm, um, I'm not allowing that to hinder my ability to live out that character's truth, right? Yeah. So yeah. I think that's really 
core and the crux of it is if you get into that mindset is that will you be un, will you be unable to authentically live out that person's experience so when you're when you know working in in psychotherapy you're you have to allow yourself to fully see that other person's experience and understand their truth and what has led them through into certain moments so um, all of it to me is honestly the study of people, mm -hmm. studying people, studying their stories, studying their psychology, their coping skills or lack of coping skills, their family history, background. All of it to me is, is so similar. I think that the acting definitely helps inform the therapy. And I think the therapy actually helps inform my acting as well. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's pretty awesome. That's a, it's so interesting just because, you know, we're, I'm, I'm teaching an acting class for little ones. Now, granted, it's pretty low key. It's not really <laughs> digging into their psychology, but yeah, just the connection as an actor. And that's, that's something that I don't think that they had thought about before. These are little ones, but that we get the opportunity to, to dig into a story, to dig into a person, to create a background. What, what's your favorite character that you've ever played on stage? Um, the favorite character I've ever played was Othello. Played Othello a couple years ago. And, um, it was just one of those, you know, tragic stories and complex and required everything that we just talked about as far as studying the psychology and relationship dynamics and yeah. what is it about this man that he's willing to, he's so shaken and shattered with this the thought of a handkerchief being you know in someone else's possession yeah and that's incredible because when you when you think about it there there are many situations at least for me there have been situations in my life where i thought i was sure about something but a little bit of evidence completely or a little word or a phrase or something just came along and completely took the wind out of my sails. And, and so I, I could relate to it in that sense. And it was just, it was like meaty, you know, it was like a bowl yeah. of stew, meat stew. Like, let's, you know, let's dig in here and, <laughs> you know, let's, let's stir this all up. Like, uh, I really enjoyed that. What? Also, uh, Jesus Christ Superstar, I played Caiaphas. Ooh. Yeah. That was a, that was just fun. Yeah. Uh, What's the hardest role you have ever played? I once played a big yellow bird. <laughs> How can I be this bird? Uh, where is he coming from? Where what was, was he? What was the mother bird like? Did the mother bird treat <laughs> the bird well? <laughs> I, I think the hardest role I played was, there's two. One was, um, uh, I played this character named Marco in A View from the Bridge. That's where I met Mark Mann. Yeah. Uh, he was the guest uh, equity uh, artist in that show and uh, in that show with them. And another was Emperor Jones. And that was the first time in that show, you know, it's a lot of long monologues and, uh, you know, you're really carrying the show 
as a as a for a lot of it a solo performer. And I did that my last year at Otterbein, and that helped me grow so much. But it was very hard yeah. to uh, to work through all that. Um, for Marco, it was harder because um, a lot of what I experienced in that show was kind of hitting close to home for stuff that I grew up with and experienced. So yeah. that's why it was hard. Yeah. And I don't know if you've ever experienced that where you, you are like taking on a role and you're like, well, this is way too freaking close. Like, oh my gosh. And then you kind of have a breakdown about it. <laughs> so, yeah. You've been there? Uh-huh. Yeah. Unfortunately, it was yeah. not a good show and it was very badly timed and I deeply regretted doing it. But I learned from that experience. That experience yeah. taught me. It was a commercial that we shot together. It was a, it was a commercial with Ben. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. It was not. <laughs> no, but it was, it, I think that was the experience for me. And I'm sure you've been here finding out, especially with a family and choosing where does your time go? Where is it important? At that point, that was something I took just to do something. And it turned out to be a miserable choice. Knowing now it's like, I need to fully look into what is my commitment with this project going to be? Is it going to be right for family? Is it going to be right for life? Is it going to be right for my heart? You know, is this a role that's worth, that's something that I can feel good about at the end of the time that I put the work into and I feel good about what I did, or am I going to regret doing that experience again so well, while yeah, it yeah. sucked royally you know i learned yeah i've i've been there too and i've come away with like look i gotta really be into it if i'm gonna like there's other ways to pass the time for me yeah you know, if i'm gonna be into it like let's make sure i'm really and i think that's one of the difficulties with uh you know doing theater locally is most of us have so much going on outside of theater and we love it and we you know want to have it and that balance and we do at least for me I, I've been very I like I'm big on boundaries so like I have to know like am I able to is this really something that I want to commit to knowing everything else and am I willing to sacrifice, is this a time in life right now that I'm willing to sacrifice other things for it? And if it's okay, okay. But if it's not, even if I really want to do it, I have to look out for my mental health and my emotional health and, and physical yeah. health. And so sometimes I've had to say no, that yeah. uh, I really wanted to say yes to. And that is hard. I mean, I think that that's, that's where we struggle. I'm sure all of us in our, in our little Central Ohio theater family you know, I, I see people that are doing project after project after project. It's like, are you doing okay? Are you sure you want to do this? Like, be careful of your time and make sure it's something that you want to do. Yeah, it can be a coping skill to just go from project to project and bounce around. But, um, I mean, people are, if people are happy doing that and it's good for them and, you know, more power to you. For me, I can't do that. I, yeah. I cannot do that. I've tried to do that before. I actually I wanted to be that person. I felt like I could be years ago. Uh, and it's like, man, I, I'm thinking there was this one time where uh, um, Weathervane, 
they were uh, doing mock to kill a mockingbird there. And I had just uh, did that with John Stephen Kuhn years ago and yeah. Mark Mann directed it. And I played Tom Robinson mm-hmm. and uh, Mark was cast there as Atticus Finch. Yep. And they were trying to get me there to uh, take that role on. But I was in my last semester of graduate school and I had an internship going on. <laughs> and it's close to getting done. And I was like, oh my gosh, I want to get the weather vane so bad and they want me there and everything's lining up. And But hold on. Uh, reality says, yeah. you're really going to be able to drive to Newark and get your last home 20 page papers done and be a dad and <laughs> you know everything like I, really can you really Christopher no okay yeah. you know you have to you have to think through that stuff and that that drive I love weather babe weather babe, but that drive is oh it's awful I did one show and I wound up with strep throat at the end of that show I'm pretty sure it's because of the amount of time that I was yeah yeah I was I mean I got out of tearing the set down so that was cool but <laughs> <laughs> that the, you got you got you got away with it i did i did feel bad though because i had to it was like the last performance i woke up with white spots and i had to send todd covert you know todd our good friend todd i had to send him an email like hey you know how we make out in the show every night just want you to know that uh i have strep you probably already do now as well. So I'm telling you, it's way too late, but I'm going to apologize for it. He never got it, but I did feel bad. Man, that's one of those horrible calls like, hey, you might want to go get yourself checked out. Like, <laughs> it's, like it's like the actor STD. <laughs> oh, man. It's terrible. But, you know, it's we're not doing anything right now, so everybody's... I, yeah, everybody's definitely, uh, I think it's actually been cool, all the uh, virtual shows that have been going on and yeah. one-person shows or broadcast, uh, you know, cast ensemble pieces and stuff. Uh, I, that's been really great to see people adapt yeah. in this that we're going through. So when everything gets, it's never going to go back to normal. When everything gets to its next normal, What's your dream role? Oh, I see what you did there. Next to normal, I see what you did there. <laughs> what do you want to play? What would be like your dream show, dream role? Um, that's a good question. <laughs> I'm actually really interested in um, developing my own show and uh, writing something. And what I've been really kind of playing, I got two things I've been playing with, but one of them in particular is writing a show that's basically like, it's kind of funny, um, basically like a group therapy session. Oh. And you have all these people with their different personalities, because literally, I don't know if anybody in here, either of you have done group therapy, but everybody has big personalities, different personalities, different stories, and some of the things that happen in group therapy are so outrageous you would you would not believe and some of these stories i think would be very interesting to watch and see in a theatrical context but i also want it to be something that helps provide people a sense of hope and ways of handling problems 
so that they may be experiencing. And that's something that I've always wanted to do is try to find a way to bring the, bring the two of them together. Mm. So, uh, that's kind of where my, it's not going to be like, Miss, I mean, I love Mr. Rogers, but it's not going to be like Mr. Rogers with like, now people in the audience, this is what we do. Like, it's not like, you know, it's, I just want to use those, base them off of real experiences that I've seen. I mean, I've seen people, um, I've seen fights break out, fist fights, uh, bed bugs. I've seen people taking clothes off. Uh, I mean, I've seen all kinds of wild stuff that people, when you think of therapy, it's not like people just sitting around in a circle and like, it's real life, real life is happening. So, I mean, it's, 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 uh, it's wild, but it's, uh, I think it's something that, uh, if done well, can help people hopefully avoid some stigma about getting help too, because there's still a lot of stigma that people have about, uh, mental health and yeah. speaking. So I, that's what I also would hope to do, accomplish with it. Okay. So we should expect to see that up then pretty soon, right? I'm getting the right on it. Oh, <laughs> uh, Chris Austin, you are one of my favorite humans on this planet. I'm so glad you got to hang out with us and talk. Thank you. Really awesome. Just, you're just wonderful. Thank you. You are as well, and you had a a wonderful 21st birthday. Thank you. Uh, so cool. You're so awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and sir. It was lovely, sir. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I tip my hat to you. Yes, I yes. Tip my <laughs> I tip my gray hairs. <laughs> oh my goodness! Well, Chris Austin, where if people want to chat with you or hear more about you, is there a way to contact you? Toilet paper your house? No. They can toilet paper my house. I will. I will join them in toilet paper. <laughs> <laughs> This is fun. This is great. Yes. Not not this past March. They would not have been. People would have paid money for the yeah. yeah. Seriously. That, that that was actually part of my plan. Is I'll just I'll, I can just reuse it. Roll it up and yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just get it before the dew hits, right? Yeah. Uh, if anybody would like to read that, uh, send an email. C uh, Austin. A-U-S-T-I-N-0206 at gmail.com. Sweet. You're and look, I've already used to getting hate mail because of some things that I've done earlier this year. And uh, I'm, I'm used to it. So uh, I prefer not to have it. Yeah. But <laughs> when I can say hi, <laughs> that's good. We're going to encourage the love mail yes. your way. Yeah, less on the hate, more on the love. <laughs> Well, Chris, thank you again for coming on, and thank you for listening to Speak Easily with Chris to stop it. There's a bug in here. I'm not really, like, I'm not just doing this. <laughs> anyway, you can find us on Facebook. That's our primary landing spot. iTunes, SoundCloud, Internet, www. eBay. We're not on eBay. We're not selling anything. Except, I mean, Chris, if you have toilet paper you want to sell, sign it. I do. I have several rolls of Charmin. They're very soft. Mm -hmm. uh, Autographed some, rolls of Charmin available on Facebook. Charmin. Yes. I'm looking like this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
goodness. But thank you for listening in, Chris. Thank you again. Good this was great. So much. I appreciate it. This is awesome. Thank you. Bye bye. Bye. Foxland Media. Think big.